Yeah, don't try that one. There's no good way to say that. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate. Relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Tilly is back to talk about working from home as a chronically ill person during a pandemic. The more stuff changes, sometimes the more it stays the same. Content warning for chatting about no longer feeling suicidal, though that is a positive thing. And for all my chronically ill fam out there, we love you, keep going. For all you folks working from home, like me, two things, we're both very lucky for being able to support ourselves and be able to manage during an economy that's so messed up and also really struggling, at least if you're anything like me, um, to sort of come up with a solution where you have a work from home space. I'm currently working out of a dining room with curtains around. It's functional. It's not always the best as a sound booth for recording, but you work with what you can, and to be honest, it's been pretty amazing. So stay mentally well out there as best you can. We're stronger together. We're capable of things we did not imagine we were capable of, and I hope this session is helpful for you. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with my good friend Tilly, and we're catching up, because it has been forever. How are you, Tilly? Hi, today I'm doing I'm doing pretty pretty well. How are you? I'm also doing quite well. I think all the stressors in my life that have led to sort of an exacerbation of IBS and like other issues for me are like they haven't really abated, but I think I'm just getting better at dealing with being under a lot of stress and I'm learning to kind of relax into it a little bit more rather than being so emotionally tense. That makes sense. That resonates with, you know, stuff that I've definitely experienced in my life. Hmm. Yeah. So we haven't chatted in a really long time, and we're doing this thing where we try and record like most of our back and forth catching up friendship stuff, which I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome. And yeah, I'm trying, I can't even remember the last time we had a conversation. That's how long it's been for me. Or we, could literally, we could literally look up like the intimate interactions episode we last recorded, and that would be the last time we caught up. Right. Yeah. I just... I'm like, I don't even know if we've talked about my new job. Um, no, we haven't. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what's going on with you in that regard, so. And I, I'm working. You're working? Yeah? I How's am. it going? Um, well, there was a lot of, like, anxiety over, like, company buyout stuff, because um, our company got bought out, and the corporate culture is kind of changing from, like, more of a fun startup to more of, like, a corporate corporate and it's uh different i won't say where i work because we're corporate enough that i would get in trouble for that but i will just say that i work in quality assurance somewhere <laughs> right yeah that's good to know yeah i was thinking about like am i going to divulge my workplace um i'm still really in the honeymoon period with them even though i've mm -hmm. been with them uh 10 months now but you awesome. know I have, so I work in the nonprofit industry um, and I've been working long enough that 
even though I'm having this like long extended honeymoon and I feel that my work to a lot of extents like is really trying to be who they say they are, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Mm. I, I empathize with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I've been working in nonprofit land for, oh, I think it's like 10, 11 years now. So, you know, like a lot, so many organizations, you know, they exist for a good reason. They have really great ideals, but the full integration of those ideals down to like how they treat their employees and how they allow or encourage to set boundaries, employees to set boundaries around their work life balance and all those things. Like I found that there's, there's not complete consistency and there's not complete integration of values. Mm -hmm. So I'm working at a place that it's like, it's very close. It feels very close to like, oh, for the most part, you are who you say you are. That's good. You know, it's just, um, having worked for a lot of places where I'm like, oh, okay, there's a lot of, like, unspoken expectations that you need to meet, or, Mm -hmm. oh, the inherent way you're, like, fulfilling your mission statement is actually kind of counter to what might serve individuals that you're serving, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so I'm feeling pretty good about this organization. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm just kind of like, but, but how's this, how's this really going to turn out? Like, how am I going to feel in two years or five years or yeah, however long? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I get that. Um, at, at my place, there was a lot of stress around people losing their jobs because of the layoffs that happened. And, like, we were all reassured many times going in, absolutely nothing will change at our company. Like, this is just a, you know, change of of of, of leadership. And, like, they, they share the same values. And then immediately the CEO changed as soon as we were bought out. And then all of the policies changed. And then there were layoffs. And uh, I think there were, like, I don't know, there were double digits of people in my department. And now there's, like, less than five. So, or there's five or less. So, uh, yeah, things, things changed pretty hard. I'm incredibly grateful that I made the cut. I can't believe I made the cut. Um, but I somehow made the cut and I'm still working at the, at the company and I'm happy to just still have a job. Nice. Yeah. I'm thinking, especially, I don't know if this happens to you, but like as a chronically ill person who, Oh yes. Right? I don't even know what you're going to say. And I'm like, Oh, like I work remotely at my current job and I can't tell you, or maybe I can, like what an incredible, incredible upgrade that was from having to go in in person all the time. Yes. Sorry, yeah. you were going to say something. <laughs> I didn't mean oh, to interrupt you. That's okay. It's just, um, maybe I'm just going to say this more for, um, able-bodied listeners than for you. Um, yes. but just acknowledging that like, being a person who has disabilities and or chronic illnesses and we're working and there's always that sneaking suspicion of somehow my conditions are going to be held again. Not in the like, Hey, let's fire Victor. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like that. It's just like, 
Well, hmm. They seem to need a lot of time off. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You know, they're unavailable a lot because of doctor's appointments. Are they really a team player? Are they really working out? Yeah. Are they a good fit? Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's terrifying. Um, And it's sometimes it's a suspicion and sometimes you're like, oh, I'm on thin ice. I hope my body can manage because I really can't take as much time off work at this current job. I've had days where like, I've just had a really bad day in terms of chronic pain and I've got like a migraine and I'm in bed and I feel like absolute trash and I've got my laptop on my stomach and I'm working, but it's like, I think that sometimes even my friends don't understand why I quote unquote push myself. It's like, I'll, mm. I'll show up for them. And I was like, okay, I'm on medication. I've taken some, some drugs that I needed to take. I should be good for at least four hours. And they're like, we could have done a different day. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not like it's necessarily going to be better tomorrow. It's not like it's necessarily going to be better in seven days. Like ultimately I'm here I am able to show up for you. I'm choosing to show up for you. I don't want you to feel guilty that I have a chronic illness, but like, yeah, like I've had people be like, we should just cancel. Cause like you sound too sick. I'm like, cool. All right. My next spot for you is in like two weeks and like, we might cancel that too. So we might just never see yeah. each other or you can just take me in the shape I'm in right now on medication being like, Hey, I want to show up for you. So I don't know. Yeah, I am. I've been really confronted at, in a lot in the past couple of years, especially I think we talked after I'd been laid off in the middle of the pandemic mm. and like at around the same time I had like my endometriosis had was completely out of hand. Oh. I got a hysterectomy. Um, I recovered from my hysterectomy. Then I got laid off. And then immediately after that... Fuck, sorry to laugh. That's ridiculous. Oh, no. No, the best part is this. I went on vacation to celebrate being laid off, and I got a blood clot, which is... um, So so I got a deep vein thrombosis, which, you know, could potentially, like... Life-threatening, potentially. Potentially, and I think that's my most serious acute illness to date. Um, and, and, you know, like it's obviously there's a genetic influence going on because like my father, my grandfather, one of my aunts, they're all had blood, serious blood clots at various points in their lives. Um, and then at that point, that was September, that was September 2020. And at that point I was like, I'm not looking for a job for the rest of the year. Just like throw my hands up and being like, that's it. I'm taking some time off. Yeah. Um, so with all of that happen, like what's Billy really been confronting me a lot in the past couple years was how disabled I am. Right. And I do a lot of pushing too to like show up for full-time jobs because I, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the amount disability pays is so little and balancing on disability is so torturous and I probably am not eligible for disability because I live with a partner who has a full-time job and even though their full-time salary would not stretch Mm -hmm. 
to cover both of you. Pay for, yeah, yeah, for covering for us realistically, like not it's it would no longer be a living wage, substantially not a living wage. Like, right. Yeah. So I've decided to push through and work, but a lot of my friends, a lot of like the stuff I get spiritually has been about, you can't push yourself this hard anymore. Right. And certainly like between the, the ongoing stress of the pandemic, yeah. my mental illness stuff, my obviously like that kind of cascade of physical illness. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm on blood thinners for the rest of my life. Right. Like I, I treated endometriosis for blood thinners, basically. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's how that worked out. Um, and so I'm really getting a lot of messages to try to accommodate and not push myself this hard. So I am slowly in this process of like creeping out of the disability closet at work. Yeah. Like when we started having conversations about, oh, we might be safe to go back to the office. That was before Delta or Omicron, right? right? Like, yeah. Right. And, you know, because I started up the full job, this new full-time job, working from home, mm -hmm. which has been great. Awesome. Right? Like I, I, I can show up in my pajamas. I can show up with a heating pad. I can show up, you know, um, using the bathroom as many times as I need. Yeah. I can... I can lie down on my couch for like yeah. however long I need to rest. I can work flex around my hours so that if I need a two hour break in the middle of my day, that's fine. And I just work into the evening or, you know, I'm working four days a week. So I have this whole like extra weekday to play with in terms of flexibility of hours. So it's, it's really great. And so when we started talking about going back to work and my manager is very supportive and very, you know, we don't have to do that. Right. Like we don't have to go back to the office full time at all. And talking to us about um, like how we, how we felt and what were our opinions and what was going on for us. And I was like, I, I decided to like tell my whole team, I'm like, Hey, so I live with chronic pain and working from home is great. What I didn't say is I work with, I live with chronic pain. Uh, the chronic pain is like extremely variable from like barely noticeable to like, I can't actually function, you know, and then there's the migraines and then there's the unpredictable digestive stuff. And then there's, um, and then there's like having to go every two weeks to get my blood clotting factor tract and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't talk about all of that other stuff, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of, yeah. Like I'm thinking of doing things like talking to people in culture about like, Hey, I might need a really ergonomic desk chair. Can mm. we work that out? You know, basically seeing if I can get a gaming chair, because as far as I understand, <laughs> those are the best. For sitting for long periods. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My my job is entirely like staring at screens for literally eight hours, eight and a half hours a day. Yeah, that's that's mine, too, is staring at screens for eight hours when you're when you're testing and all you're doing is testing whether an app works correctly. You execute every function that you can 
every way that you can. And sometimes that's really boring. We do a really cool, we have a really cool diverse set of tests that we do at work though, where we're not just doing one type of testing. We're doing like eight different kinds of testing. Really, we do an insane amount of variety for our, for the people in our role usually. Nice. Which is, which is that, good. That's really good. Yeah. I have um, like my role is data entry. And so like, got it. Yeah, there's um, sometimes it's insanely repetitive. Sometimes it's insanely varied. Sometimes I'm like cross-checking information in four different places to make sure that it all lines up. And sometimes it's literally just like, that was $50. That was $20. That was $75. That was $18 over and over and over. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you get a number yeah. pad and then just like... I don't know. I've when I did data entry, it was like I would try and go as quickly as I could conceivably go, and just like get to the point where I was making mistakes because that was the only way I could try and keep it interesting for myself was like pushing. Oh yeah, I have actually internalized that, um, or I'm trying to internalize that my job is not speed; my job is accuracy. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> that's yeah. a much better way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've kind of decided that, like, this is a really happy place for me. Like, this is, yeah. this works really well with a whole bunch of my abilities. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to be really good. Awesome. That's exactly how I feel about my job. Honestly, I'm so lucky that I got the work from home job that I got. I just feel like I don't mind any of the people I work with directly. Um, mm -hmm. I've only had one racist encounter at the company actually that's not true i've had three but two of them were in management and they were colorblind racism so i was like i'm not even gonna count those like the standard of where i am um in terms of like what i'm experiencing at work i'm like no you know what it, it could be so much worse i've been in much worse situations before so like i'll i'll roll my eyes at colorblind racism and just like tolerate it because this job tolerates my chronic illness yeah i mean it sucks that that's the bargain you have to make yeah. right yeah it does and it's not that bad. The only person that said something racist to me at the company, I don't work with directly. I work with like when I see and happen to be sorted into a group at like company functions. So like at one of those mm. like team building nonsense things that we do, even though we don't work on a team together, um, <laughs> we just get sorted together randomly and you get to meet other people in the company, which is kind of cool. But there's no program to move laterally. So I'm like, what, what's the point of this? Like, anyways, TLDR. Um, Oh, but I haven't had like a Theoden King day in a really long time. That's what I'm starting to call the days when like, I'm like, like lying down somewhere. It can be a bed, a floor in a hot bath with like a migraine. And I'm just like waiting for the pain level to go down so that I can function again. Like that, that mm -hmm. waiting game where you're just like, I just want to be unconscious now until my body is like 10% better. I call them yeah. Theoden King days because, like, there's that bit where, like, Theoden is, like, on the battlefield after being trounced by the Wraith or whatever and is, like, crawling on the ground and is like, Eowyn, my body is broken. I'm like, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that feels like, like my migraine days where, oh, um, yeah. yeah, like, I have successfully found a combination of, like, CBD, Tripton and prescription anti-inflammatory wow all together prevent most of my migraines wow right? 
It's magic. I've been doing CBD oil and I've been finding maybe it's helping. I honestly don't know because I still have infrequent headaches and I'm able to cut them off with a combination of like CBD oil every day and then like extra strength Tylenol the moment I think I might be getting a migraine. And I've been able to avoid most of them that way, but I'm also taking a lot of Tylenol. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I'll take it. There's supplements. There are supplements to, there's actually a supplement that I'm on to support my mood stabilizers that can potentially, that not potentially, it actually does. It, um, basically if you ever end up in the hospital with acetaminophen poisoning, which is nuking your liver, yep. which won't happen at your level of use because like, that's when like someone attempts suicide, Got basically. It. Got it. Acetaminophen, which is a really terrible idea. Yeah. Um, also, it makes you really nauseous from what I hear. Like, you're more likely to throw up. The, like, I'm not saying there are better ways you should try other things, but, like, just don't try that one. Fuck. Oh, yeah, don't try that There's one. There's no good way to say that. <laughs> right? Right? It's, yeah. Um, anyway, um, they will pump you full of N-acetylcysteine. Okay. And it'll... Um, it can potentially reverse like fatal levels of liver poisoning, what? which is amazing. And when you take about three grams a day, which is what I take, it can really supplement your bipolar meds. So <laughs> you take three grams a day of N acetylcysteine? Oh yeah, I take three grams a day. Wow. So there be, you might want to do some research into what might be a good dose when you're taking a lot of Tylenol. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Use as an antidote for acetaminophen overdose. As an antioxidant, it is thought to reduce DNA damage. It's marketed for its liver-protecting properties and to support healthy immune function. Crazy. I mean, it's just cysteine, so it's like an amino acid. Mm-hmm. I guess it's been acetylated, though, so it can have other effects. I just don't really know. I, none of this is medical advice for anyone listening. This is just like yeah, things that we have found that may or may not be responsible for helping us. But quite frankly, when when the healthcare system is like, well, we don't know what the fuck to do with you. You're like, all right, I'm just going to start taking shit and hope it works because like the pain levels are so extreme that like I just want to be done. Um, and it's the, the spoony network, right? Yeah. Where it's like, hey, friend, you have a similar similar or the same condition as me let me tell you about my physiotherapist my drug regimen my supplements my sleep hygiene oh god like, yeah my sleep yeah. hygiene could be better and i think it would help my migraines with adhd mm. though it's so hard sometimes to resist the impulsivity of being like i really want to get up and play video games i'm like no no now is the time for sleep we cannot get up and play video games but i really want to finish that level i'm like no, we are not going to finish that level. Here is a white noise machine to help you be distracted. And then I will just listen to a white noise machine. And sometimes it gets me to sleep. Yeah. Something I've also been thinking about a lot, a lot, a lot, um, which is that my, like my, bo my, my bipolar is no longer like a hundred percent medicated. I've had a couple breakthrough episodes recently, okay. um, but they were mild and they were short, which was really good. Mm -hmm. Um, but this is the first time in my entire life, like these past five years, that I've been anywhere close to effectively medicated. Right. And I, considering the fact that I was seeing doctors about my bipolar disorder, you know, basically the whole time since I was 
17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm now 42. That doesn't say very good things about, you know, the state of psychiatry in our province. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. Or just in like in medicine in Canada and the US, like sometimes yeah. you just run into a bad doctor and by which I mean a doctor that isn't well suited to treat what you have. And then if you don't switch, you just end up stuck in a loop with them, not knowing what to do with you. I have seen at least seven doctors for my condition. Wow. That really does. So, that is damning to the profession. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of criticism about psychiatry in BC. Um, and and the kind of TLDR is most psychiatrists and um, and GPs, because a lot of GPs are basically doing psychiatry because they can't get a referral right. for their poor patient. Right. Um, most of them basically gave up trying to meddle with my meds when they were like, oh, you are no longer actively suicidal. Right. We're going to say this works. And there's a lot of suffering between actively suicidal and like well, in an okay space. Yeah. And what I am now experiencing in the past few years where like my meds are effective most of the time is that um, there's all these strategies like sleep hygiene, like regular meditation, like <sighs> work-life balance, like, um, you know, like, you know, making sure that your hobbies are varied enough. Like, um, currently I have this slow project of like turning my house into like a more hospitable, pleasing environment Amazing. for myself, which is never been able to do yeah it's not easy and when you your illnesses are you know when your illnesses when you're in a a state where you know you would definitely benefit from like more of this or more of that or more of the other it can be so hard to be like okay now i'm gonna work on my sleep hygiene when like there's kind of this like weird hierarchy of like you need to get these things these certain underlying conditions balanced before you're like oh now meditation works yeah honestly at least that's my experience right honestly yeah. i'm very yeah. grateful like i said to be full-time employed it's it meant i've been able to afford um an electric bidet and a rain shower so i just like it's only a few hundred dollars if you get like only i know only is a crazy word to use there um but like they can be really expensive or they can be not that expensive and it's the same thing with bidets too like bidets can be over a thousand dollars or they can be like 280 um yeah. And I just got myself like a warm water um, heated dryer bidet. Ooh. It's a uh, luxurious. It's also heated seat and it has a night light. So if you're like stumbling to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you don't need to turn on the light and blind yourself if you have a migraine. Nice. It just has like a night light on the bidet itself. So it's um, little things like that for me. Like the bathroom is where I spend enough of my time that I want it to be very hospitable. So I totally resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. Whereas for me, um, chronic insomnia has been mm, huge mm-hmm. like my entire life. Um, and that's why like sleep hygiene is like a constant ongoing project. Right. Yeah. yeah. So my bed has to be like 
I always have to love my sheets and love my bedding mm. and have variable levels of lighting available. And I have to make sure that like I have moisturizer and painkiller and a heating pad and my journal and at least three books like surrounding me. Oh, such a good idea. Yeah. So that I don't have to get out of bed for like comfort or amusement or anything you know, right. just in case I have, like, usually for me, it's I have um, trouble falling asleep. But sometimes I will wake up in the middle of the night at, like, 3 a.m. for no good reason. Yep. And and then you have to make the, the decision, like, are we up for the day now or are we going to read and try again? Do you snore at all? Um, I snore a little bit. Um, we did a little bit of investigation into sleep apnea. I have, in the past couple months, it's become apparent that I have high blood pressure. Oh, and so I see. my doctor and I are working on it. I mean, in some ways, I'm grateful to have high blood pressure because that is a very typical ailment that will happen to someone in their 40s. And... The fact that now I am getting like age appropriate ailments instead of having, you know, <laughs> not survived till 42 years old. I'm like, we'll take it. We'll deal. Also, there's so many strategies for this one. <laughs> I totally get it. It's like, hey, this is treatable. I'm not worried about this. That was like when my my doctor said like, hey, you've got an infection of Helicobacter pylori or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't worry me at all. He's like, you do know it's like possible it can cause cancer. I'm like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Like, do you know how statistically improbable it is that you get Helicobacter related, you know, cancer when you've caught it? I'm like, it's like, like mathematically implausible. I'm not even remotely worried. And my doctor is like, that's a very unusual response to being told you might possibly get cancer from this. I'm like, bah! I'm like, I know what the numbers are. I'm fine. Yeah. But like, that is an, un that is an unusual response, but that's me. Yeah. yeah. It's also like, yeah, there's a lot of situations. Like I was at my massage therapist and I was describing to her how I sometimes wake up with my arms is completely asleep oh. and I have to wait and go through the pins and needles like frequently. Brutal. And she's like, Oh, you have thoracic outlet syndrome. And it's basically a syndrome that can easily happen when you are leaning over all day, every day. Oh, like at no. my gym. Yeah. And um, basically the muscles in your chest, like your upper chest near your collarbone start cutting off your nerves and your circulation to your arms and you know i went home and i did a little bit of research and then i had this thing where i'm like oh my god there are some people this is probably their only diagnosis <laughs> instead of me where i'm just like you know my massage therapist gives me some new information about my body we start trying to treat it and then i'm just like Oh, that's that thing. You know, the other morning I wake woke up and couldn't feel one of my arms, and I was like, "Oh yeah, thoracic outlets." And like, let's try some new stretches for my upper body, which I should be doing anyway because I type all day. Right. Um, yeah. Or even yeah. trying to find like a, a better height of desk or chair, or like ways of modifying the ergonomics of work. I've done some of that. It's time consuming. It and it's also so hard to see whether you're getting 
returns. Like sometimes I find if I adjust like chair or position, I'll notice like within five or 10 minutes. And other times I have to wait until the end of the day and then a few more days will go by and I'll be like, is this better? I'm unsure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking um, it might be something to do in the new year would be, and this is going to take four ages. This is going to take like months. I actually know someone who had to take a leave from work because of how long this process takes, but contact work BC, get an OT assessment of my workspace. This is a posture corrector that I literally have because sitting all day, just hunching a little bit over the course of a 40 hour work week will destroy my back. Yeah. So I have to sit upright and if my chair is too high, I'll start losing circulation in my legs and my calves will get all messed up. So, but then if my chair isn't high enough, my arms aren't the right height for the table that I can afford. So rather than having infinite money and being like, well, I'm going to get an adjustable table height. That's ergonomically better. It's like, that's not really, I mean, I guess I could stretch and make that happen, but I currently I'm just like I think what I'm going to do is get a tiny plastic stool for my feet and then just raise my chair to where it needs to be but I still haven't gotten the little plastic stool for my feet so I'm like I don't... this stuff takes time yeah. it does where I'm thinking of like contacting work BC right. getting a professional OT assessment right and then getting work BC because I have a dis- like nice that's the advantage of having the laundry list of diagnoses right and then being like pay work either you or work bc has to pay for you know a gaming chair the little right if i need a little school a different level table like whatever right so that might be a project to pursue next year well i mean we'll see if i actually do it though because <laughs> i might just be like more massages that's like when I had um, when I had like borderline carpal tunnel syndrome. It never got diagnosed, but I was experiencing pain at work all the time. I was like, this mouse just isn't sensitive enough. It doesn't move quickly enough. So the motions I have to make to do my data entry are just too big. So I ended up buying like an RAT, like one of the gaming mice for like 70 or $80. And it completely fixed the problem like instantly. And then later my boss was like, why the hell did you buy a gaming mouse? And I was like, I needed to buy like a high sensitivity mouse that allows me to be very accurate in my work. Like the cheapest one to get is a gaming mouse because it's the same set of requirements, but like he was convinced I was gaming at work and it was not good. No, but I mean, that's just the typical nonsense. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I could probably go to work and divulge, you know, the, the, the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. right? Right. And be like, this is why I need need a gaming chair because so far the policy has been, yeah, just go into the office and basically take home whatever equipment you think you need. Um, so I have, you know, like I have a standing desk I don't actually use, but I use it as a monitor platform to get my monitors up to a better height for me to look at, mm-hmm. you know, all day. Um, but I don't think any of the office chairs that are left in the office building are probably adjustable to the requirements I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I think we have covered to death that topic of 
So how did you like it? The chronic illness. Discuss your idea topic for another like Facebook.com for flash intimate victor. Or tweet me at intimate Or follow my Instagram. You guessed it at intimate victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreoncom salmon Great. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>